Hello, and welcome to the Why It Matters podcast, presented by James Madison University, where we try to uncover the true implications behind all actions in sports. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors at the Cash App. Use promo code MATTERS to send $5 to you and $5 to a friend. That's M-A-T-T-E-R-S. I'm your host, Noah Sullivan, along with special guest Peyton Miller. Let's get started. Peyton, it's good to have you on. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. How are you feeling? I'm um, good, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I am glad to have you here today, Peyton, because we're actually going to spend a little bit of time talking about both the good and the bad of a sports media presence and post-game reporting and just kind of how it all translates to the well-being of athletes. Yeah, well, I mean, a great example of that can be taken from the the Last Dance documentary on ESPN. Have you seen that? I have, yeah. I've been watching it religiously every every Sunday night. It's on our TVs. Oh, yeah, it's good. But anyways, Jordan, is he's always swarmed by the media in that. And uh, on his way to the game, being stopped by the media, talk at halftime, post-game, and even in the locker room after a win or a loss. The sad thing is for him and his teammates, they only get about roughly five to ten minutes after a game to shower and then be ready for the have the bright lights and cameras and microphones shoved in their faces. In his case, he was flirting with retirement, so every single day that he spoke with the media, he was asked the same question over and over and over again. And you know that would get annoying. It would just get exhausting to have to answer the, the same questions over and over again, no matter who you are or what your profession is. Uh, the only place of like solitude he had to himself basically was his hotel room. Mm-hmm. I mean, for an athlete that probably has a pretty nice house, so you're stuck in a little hotel room, <laughs> I mean, you know, it gets a little... A little rough, mm-hmm. but then as soon as he steps out, he's got a zoo of reporters in his face, and it's not you know he's an icon, he's Michael Jordan, but I mean it still wouldn't be that easy to have to deal with, especially your whole life like he probably has. Um, there's always that pressure of him already to perform on the game of basketball, but let alone he has to perform and be a model human in front of everyone else. Um, basically, all in all, some athletes don't mind the attention, or they don't mind talking to the people that they are. Uh, normally nicer to the media, even in some cases enjoy it. Other athletes are not as outgoing or, you know, a little more to themselves, make the big mistake in a game maybe or anything like that, probably don't want to talk to the media or be very nice or show much patience. You know, I think this is a really convenient time for this documentary to be released, considering they've been sitting on this footage for, what, 20, 25 years now, and now it's just getting released. I think it's really good time because we we tend to see a distrust between the media with Michael Jordan and I think a lot of athletes today have a general distrust of the media. I think we can accredit this to the breaking news culture that we're actually living in. You know, there's just so many reporters out there that want to have their name attached to and as first reported by that this can really disregard athletes as human beings. Um, And it can be one of the main reasons that athletes have trust issues with the media. So, Peyton, where do you think you see the main source of that as first reported by culture and some of the distrust issues? Well, I mean, it's all over social media. I mean, Twitter. I mean, you get things from TMZ all the time, people hiding in bushes outside of people's houses and stuff just to try to get the first take, you know. And I mean, there's only certain things that an athlete would trust a certain reporters that are highly regarded, like, you know, an Adam Schefter or a Wojnowski, you know, people like that. It's a little bit different when it's just random people hiding and trying to get secretive things from you. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And I think it's also important that we're starting to see many athletes try to control their own narrative. So they're not necessarily leaking, uh, leaking news to these reporters or talking to those reporters, but they're actually tweeting from their personal accounts. That way they can really control the narrative that is sent out there. Because frankly, I think we're seeing a lot of athletes that just don't want to talk to the media. I think the main time we see this is the hostility that comes after a loss. Yeah, I mean, you should think about it just as a normal human being. You know, you have a job, 
you're at the office, you're, you know, maybe you have to run a meeting. Maybe you're speaking to them in the meeting and you, you mess up, you stutter, you, you misspeak, you know. As soon as you walk out of the meeting, you might be a little embarrassed, you know, ashamed. You don't want to have a bunch of people asking you questions about it and how you messed up and, and all that. I think that I think that's that's a great point because, you know, as an athlete, the last thing I would want to do, you know, after a crushing loss would be to go up in front of a field of reporters and explain why you shot 25% or why you gave up four home runs. It's not like you were going out there with the intention of missing 15 shots or giving up four bombs. It's just it's just kind of a part of the game. And so I, I totally agree that if you had a rough day of work, the last thing I would want is someone with a camera grilling me in my face, you know, as soon as I get home. So I think because they feel pushed into a corner, this can be a reason why many of these athletes kind of irrationally lash out. So we spent some time talking about the negatives of a sports media presence and post-game reporting, but I think it's important to mention that there are actually many beneficial aspects to having the sports media represent their respective league. Um, sports journalism has actually been around for decades with the first publications coming out in the 1820s that would talk about you know, whether it was boxing or horse racing, kind of some of the earlier sports. And I think another great thing about uh, sports media is that it kind of provides an opportunity for those people like myself or like Peyton who love sports but aren't necessarily athletic enough to compete at the highest level. But it still gives us an opportunity to participate in in, in, an own, in its own unique way. So I think kind of once we saw ESPN founded in the 1979, I believe, uh, we've really seen a boom in the sports communication industry. So I think the reality is that many players actually don't mind speaking with the media. Uh, we, we tend to see the enthusiasm with these players at its peak in high school, and it slowly decreases from college to professional. I just think that since their chances of, quote unquote, making it while they're still in high school are slim and they haven't been corrupted yet, uh, a lot of these kids want that exposure in any way they can get. You know, with professional athletes, they may have feel that they've already reached the pinnacle of their playing career. So there's really nothing that the media could do for them. But I think this couldn't be further from the truth. You know, since the media often controls the narrative and different opinions on athletes, I think it's really important for them to be available and somewhat personable. You know, the majority of athletes understand that the media is just something that came, comes along with being in the pros. I mean, they have a job to do just as much as the athletes. And, you know, your boy Larry Legend once said, man, he said, once I once I got into the pros, I felt it was part of the deal. You have to do your share, it, but it works both ways. You have to set your parameters. And I understand exactly what he's saying with that. I feel like it involves cooperation from both sides. Um, it, it goes both ways. You, you know, it takes two people to tango. You know, you gotta, absolutely. You got to respect his boundaries, and, and you know, they have to. You have to respect the reporters too. Yeah, it's really important not to cross any uh, professional lines and do your best job to try to stick to the game and the league itself. Because I know that a lot of the sound bites that are the most hard hitting or get the most publicity are sound bites that have to do with the athletes' personal lives. And it's totally understandable how a lot of times they don't want to talk about their personal lives. They just want to stick to sports. But, you know, sometimes it is required to just kind of own up to something or address a really pressing issue that's been going on in their personal lives that a lot of people want to know about. And that's really whether whether they want to or not. It's kind of just what what comes along with the job. You know, another great incentive for athletes to cooperate with the media is that the possibility that they may be in the media's shoes. You know, there's nothing better than when you're sitting down and watching an NFL game or an NBA game and you get to hear from former players and give their perspective on the stuff that they just saw and give an analysis on it. So, Peyton, who are some of your favorite former players to listen to? 
Well, I mean, I love to watch all the TNT guys. I mean, you know, Shaq, Kenny, and Charles Barkley, those Mm -hmm. are my favorite for basketball. But, I mean, even Terry Bradshaw from football, you know, I'm a big Steelers fan, so, you know, that's cool. And Tony Romo's done a good job, and I like my guy Pat McAfee. Now, he's not as big mainstream as everybody else, (laughs) but he's still... He's coming up. I like him a lot. I, I think you you listen to his podcast pretty frequently, do. don't you? I do. He does a good job. I like it. So as a former player, do you notice that he kind of has a unique perspective whenever he's interviewing former athletes? Or what do you notice that's different about what he does compared to what a regular you know sports media member who didn't have any playing experience does? Well, he knows firsthand what lines not to cross. So he knows what to ask them, what they're going to feel like answering, what they're not going to want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he does a really good job with the former players. And even himself, it's almost like interviewing an interview every time you watch his podcast because he is a former player. So he has a good perspective on everything that's going on. That's true. And I think he does a great job really creating a relaxing environment where players are more willing to talk and they feel more free and open to talk about issues that they necessarily wouldn't feel free and open talking about on the set of an NFL executive you know office or something like that so i think that is really important to have comfort and um the ability to relate to athletes but you know i loved your point about the tnt guys because i will stay up till midnight one o'clock in the morning just to watch their end of night shenanigans and antics that they're always doing and the pranks that Shaq and chuck are always playing on each other and you know it's just really great and it's just a fun all-around show and you know they've obviously been rewarded for it just because the countless emmys that they've won one for that show, I think it, it really goes goes to show you how how successful they've been. And you know, as a Redskins fan, I'm even ashamed to admit it, but Troy Aikman, there is nothing better than when he's calling a game. Him and him and Joe Buck. I know Joe isn't a former athlete, but his dad has you know the famous his his dad's very famous in the broadcasting world. And just listening to those two call a game, I know a lot of people give him a lot of a lot of crap on Twitter and stuff like that, but. For me, those are those are my two favorite guys just because they play off each other so well. And Troy does a really, really good job explaining, you know, different quarterback tendencies and pressures and what he sees throughout the game. So I think it's really cool whenever we see, you know, especially a former quarterback who who really is required to know the entire offense. And he even is required to know many parts of the defense, just being the quarterback and having to read different stuff. I mean, in Romo, for example, I mean, I know I said something about him earlier, but I mean, he would literally call the play before it would happen. Yeah. He could see it coming. It was just so cool to see that knowledge, you know, even go over to the broadcasting booth. Yeah, it makes you wonder why he wasn't a little bit better for quarterback. There's <laughs> oh, the bias. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's also funny because we actually just saw a current player in Drew Brees. He agreed to a media contract before his playing time was even up, you know. I think it has to do with Drew's really good repertoire that he has with reporters. And I think that's that's kind of the main reason that this was able to happen. I think Drew doing this kind of sets a standard for what we're going to see in the future with a lot of these athletes who are really good with communicating with the media, that they're going to start signing these contracts before their playing time is even up, you know, kind of solidifying them financially for the future and also giving them an opportunity to do what they love without necessarily putting their body on the line every Sunday. Yeah, you know, another person that comes to mind is, you know, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy on and off the field, it seems like. Sure. I mean, you'll never get something bad out of his mouth, and, and he's always good with the media, and he's he's very knowledgeable with the game. I mean, he's been playing it for a while, too. He's just got a got a big deal, though, so hopefully he'll be playing <laughs> a little bit longer in the league. But when he's what's all said and done, he might be following in Drew Brees' footsteps. Absolutely. I could see that. You know, I watch The Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports 1 pretty much every day and you know with not a whole lot of sports segments going on he's kind of been focusing more on the athletes themselves opposed to the game and I tell you what man Cowherd loves him some Russell Wilson just because 
he always seems to say the right thing. You know, there's there's quarterbacks out there, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Aaron Rodgers, that are kind of putting out these sound bites that can be interpreted different ways. But with Russell Wilson, it's very dry, can be considered boring, I guess. But, you know, I'd rather have a player who's saying good, uh, team-oriented, boring stuff than the bad sound bites that are going to get out and just be a, a PR nightmare. So, you know, we've obviously talked about the athletes who are really good with communicating with the media. I think it'd be nice to touch on the athletes who maybe aren't so good. Peyton, what are what are some of minds that some names that come to your mind when we think of these athletes? Well, we all think of Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> yeah, we all honestly. Do, you know, he's not here. He's only there so he doesn't get fined. You exactly. Know, now he had reasons to be upset with the media. I mean, when he was after that Super Bowl loss, where he probably should have gotten the ball. Yep. But uh, you know, they threw it. We knew how that happened. <laughs> um, but. You know, the other one would be probably, you know, we both agree on this one, the RW of the basketball world. Yep. Russell Westbrook. Yes. He really is just, he's very bland. He's, he's not bland, but he just doesn't want to talk to the media. Ever. You can just tell. Yep. He just doesn't want to talk to them. And then I'll let you elaborate on this one, but old KD, Kevin Durant. Yeah, you know, KD was doing so well in his career um, in terms of communicating with the media. It was It was tough to look bad, I guess, when you're interviewing next to Russell Westbrook. Uh, but, you know, as soon as he got to Golden State, I think he just felt the pressure of everyone on social media talking bad about him and the burner account scandals. And, you know, I guess he was just kind of tired of addressing all that stuff. And so one day he just snapped on the media during, I believe it was after practice, he just kind of snapped on the media for not really a great reason. And ever since then, you've just been able to sense that there's a real distrust between him and the media and you know frankly a real distrust between all three of these names between themselves and the media I think it's it's pretty interesting that uh, one of Marshawn's teammates and brothers on the field um, his name is Michael Robinson and he was really defending Marshawn's Super Bowl antics at that press conference by saying you know if more media would come into his world during the offseason and not when they're only trying to get a DUI story or something crazy like that out of him they, they'd get a lot more out of him and I think a lot of athletes feel this way that you know, if if the media tend to focus on the positive more so than the negative, then a lot of athletes would be more willing to talk to them. You know, I think a lot of good points and valid points have been made today regarding um, sports media and post game reporting. But I think it's really important to remember that you know athletes do daily what many of us consider to be impossible. You know, their abilities to do what they do on the field they just it just can't be denied and. You know, when difficulty in dealing with the media is shown, it inevitably puts a target on their back. So I think as painful as it may be to cooperate with the media, sometimes an engaging conversation can really be the best thing for all parties involved. So I know, I know, Peyton, you feel the same way. And I really want to thank you for coming on today and taking the time to meet with me. And hopefully we can do this again soon. It was fun. Yeah, man, for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that concludes episode 21 of the Why Sports Matters podcast. Don't forget to download the Cash app and use the promo code MATTERS, that's M-A-T-T-E-R-S, to send $5 to you and $5 to a friend when signing up for a new account. Thanks for your time today. Remember, go Dukes.